Thanks for joining us today. This is Kevin Mullins, pastor at Broad River Church, and we're really grateful that you checked us out. If this message has been inspiring to you, we hope that you visit our website at broadriver.church, and you can go to the plan a visit page and see if there's a time that you could visit Broad River Church in person. You also can give at that same webpage, and you can check us out also on Facebook and Instagram. Just search Broad River Church. We hope this message is a blessing to you. Good morning, everybody. I'd like to invite you to Scripture this morning. My name is Kevin. If I haven't got a chance to meet you, I hope to get to do that a little bit later today. We're going to be looking today at Genesis chapter 28. Genesis chapter 28, if you're using the blue Bibles that are down there in front of you, or if you're on the front row, they're down underneath your seats, you can find Genesis chapter 28 on page 22. Tenemos traductores al español disponibles. Si usted necesita uno, por favor, levante su mano. Um, I want to let you know about our, our new schedule starting next Sunday. Next Sunday, we will have two gatherings available going forward at 9 and 10.30 a.m., two opportunities to choose from, two different times to worship. Just to answer some questions that are out there, both services will have the same music, both services will have the same people preaching uh, the same sermon, and so you don't have to worry that you're going to miss out on one song or something like that. We just have two options for you, wanting to make more and more room for people to gather in, more and more room in our parking lot, more and more room in our lobby. Anybody excited about two services starting next Sunday? Amen. And then two weeks from today, in that same two-service schedule, is what we've been looking forward to and anticipating and reflecting on and repenting around for uh, several weeks now, and that is two weeks from today is Easter. And it's going to be awesome. And so we want you to be there. And knowing now that we have these two gatherings, please just, just double down on inviting everybody you know, family and friends. It's going to be an awesome time of, of, of God speaking to us to that day. I wanted to let you know about a couple of other things. Um, our, right now, um, we have the sermons available every single week on uh, several different platforms. And so if you, you, we have a screen back there for that, right? So you can find it on our website. You can find it on Google Podcasts, on Spotify. Not listed there is iTunes. So any way that you'd like to hear the sermons, those are available. So some of you have been asking, can we hear it later? That's the way to do that. So find those. We'd love for you to do that and share that. If, if you find something ministers to you, share it with somebody else because oftentimes that's the way that God really works is by us uh, passing things on that we experience. And then the last thing is that we are beginning a new season of growth track today. Uh, the Broad River Church growth track just is to help guide you towards your redemptive purpose and live the life created for you. It's made up of four steps that happen on each of the four Sundays of the month. So today we're kicking off a brand new season. Step one is called Become a Member, and it's an opportunity for you to explore the ministry of Church of the, uh, Church of the Good Shepherd, of Broad River Church. Find out how to connect with our church. And so if you've been around for a little while or maybe even just three or four weeks and you'd like to look to know what 
uh, it looks like to come closer to the center of what's happening here. Uh, stick around right after. It begins at 12 o'clock. It's done by 1 o'clock. We have some light snacks available. Child care is available. And we'd love to have you there for that. A new season of Growth Track kicking off today. As we move toward Easter, uh, we're in the final weeks today of a, a series of messages called This Burden is Light. Uh, Jesus made a universal invitation. He makes an invitation to everyone here today to take off one way of acting, thinking, living, behaving. Jesus calls this, by the way, a yoke. And to put on, instead, a new way of acting, living, behaving. And so in this season of Lent, this is the season of anticipation of Easter that we're in right now. This is a season of of repentance and reflection. And we've been in this season examining the gap between the life that we desire and the life that we're actually living. Last week we did that by talking about taking off the, the, the yoke of cursing and putting on the yoke of blessing. And I said that last week that one way that we can practice blessing, and remember blessing is just to speak the favor of God into the lives of others, that one way we can do that is we can bless through noticing. Does anybody remember that? We bless through noticing? We, we bless through speech, we bless through empowering, we bless through noticing. And that's a direct tie to what we're going to read today. I want to speak to you today about distraction and presence. Distraction and presence. Let's enter into the rest that Jesus offers us as we read from Genesis chapter 28, verse 10. Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haran. And he came to a certain place and stayed there that night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed, and behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth. And you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is none other in the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh Lord, you're my rock and my redeemer. I ask that you speak to us today in Jesus' name. Would you say amen with me? Amen. amen. There is a, a performance artist named Marina Abramovic who is uh, fairly controversial and, and I think of her any time I think of distraction and being distracted as a 2019 human. So as I said, she's controversial. I'm not necessarily recommending her to you. To, to you. She's uh, 72 years old now. She was born in Serbia. But in 2010, she created this performance called The Artist is Present. It was at the MoMA, Museum of Modern Art in New York City. I knew about it when it was happening, but I, I didn't go to see it live. 
Abramovic created live performance a lot of the time, and from March 14th of 2010 all the way to May 31st of that year, she sat at a table, and she would close her eyes, and then she would open them up to look directly into the eyes of someone. She did this for 736 hours. Uh, so a young man would sit and, and sit in the chair. She'd open her eyes and look directly at, at him. And after about four minutes of him sitting there, he'd stop fidgeting in his seat and, and maybe tears would start to flow down her face. Sometimes Avramovic cries as well. Maybe then he'll smile at her and then he gets up and walks away. And then a middle-aged woman will come in and take his place in the process. The whole ritual is repeated. The artist's intention was to protest against the lack of connection in our society and to offer a place for human connection. And word spread all around New York City, this place with a lot of crowded loneliness, that this was a place that you could go to truly be seen. Some people, when they experienced this, they, they cried. Other people went immediately and got tattoos to, to mark the moment. Some people said it was epiphany for them. There were people that said, as they experienced it, that it was the first time that they can ever remember really being seen that they left hopeful and restored in some way. And what this whole thing reveals, and I want you to hear me this morning, is that we have as humans a longing for the gift of presence. Somebody say presence. Being distracted for me hit a peak about 10 years ago. I was, I was overwhelmed working for a church at that time before we became pastors here and Every ounce of energy and every bit of margin I had in my life was, was sucked away. At work, I had financial things to work through and the complexity of building multiple teams and difficulties with our small groups and, and lots of other day-to-day -day issues. And I was still at that time learning how with my family to, to live in the Northeast and I had tensions in my marriage and, I, and I'd find that when I would try to sit down and spend time with my kids that, that I would physically be there with them, but my mind would be somewhere else. Now, my kids were always too kind to, to just say it out loud, but what they could have been yelling me, at me at that moment is, hey, dad, why don't you ever just slow down and, and be here with us? I had experienced it before, but 10 years ago, there was this huge chasm between the life that I had and the life that I knew that I was called to. I want you to hear me this morning. We are always being pulled away from being present in our lives. One of the main reasons, of course, is because of technology, because technology, with technology, it seems like we can be present anywhere and everywhere we want to be. You know, the whole world is available to us all at once. Everywhere is calling out to us. We have access to everything happening. Everything's available right now. And that's exciting. In fact, it's so exciting that in comparison, my actual life seems pretty boring. We feel this need to escape from what is actually happening. Most of us don't really resort to running away, but we're, we're checking a screen here. We're, we're noticing an update here and there. We're responding to an email over here. And I don't want to just blame it on screens. That's too easy because we have our thoughts too. When we're at work, we're thinking about being at home. When we're at home, we're thinking about being at work. Let's say it this way, we are absent from our own lives. 
I love these weeks before Easter and how intentional we've been because normally we don't really spend time thinking that much about that dash. Remember, that's where we started six weeks ago. That dash is that space in, on your gravestone between birth date and, and death dates. We don't spend most of our times living in that dash. We spend most of our times as humans checking out other people's dashes. We did comparison a few weeks ago. Noticing what other people are doing in their lives, letting them know, by the way, especially online, whether we approve or disapprove of how they're living their lives, you know, because everybody wants to know. We spend time being commentators on other people's stories, and in the process, hear me, we slowly but surely detach from our own lives. And most of the time, I've seen as a pastor, it takes some sort of big event to happen. So a loved one dies, or maybe a very important relationship ends, or we have a health scare of some kind. It takes one of those big events for us to, to kind of wake up and focus again on ourselves and notice how detached we've been. We're absent from our own lives. Secondly, we are absent from relationships. This is huge, people, because we have to have them. We are hardwired as humans for authentic, deep relationship. Do you know that? In fact, if people don't get these kinds of relationships, especially in their formative years, we find out it's damaging to them. We can see it when a child is neglected and how hard it is for that child later on in life to form good relationships. I am afraid right now that we are in danger of raising an entire generation that have at this core level need for deep, authentic relationship unmet, not met. I'm not going to spend today railing on technology, but I I do want us to feel the weight of distraction in our relationships. Children have parents who are too busy working and doing other things to raise them. Teenagers that are left to care for themselves with emotionally disengaged parents. Marriages end up oftentimes being two lonely, isolated individuals living under the same roof, but who have completely lost touch with each other. You don't need to say amen. We're also losing our connection, I've noticed, between the generations. We, we send elderly people, when they get to that place where we deem them elderly, off to these living facilities for their golden years to be cared for by hourly employees. We're losing connection between the generations. Listen, our relationships are unraveling. We are absent, thirdly, from our faith. All of this disconnection, it bleeds into our faith as well. I I hear a lot of people as a pastor talking to me uh, about how God is absent from their lives, but I wonder if we are the ones that are absent from him. What does that look like? Maybe attending worship services, but in the middle pulling out to see about that Facebook post that that I made to see how many likes I got, right? Critiquing our, I didn't notice anybody doing that, by the way, this is... This was in my notes, but I'm watching you. I'm not watching anybody, I promise. <laughs> Why did I point? That was horrible. There's nobody, I love everyone over there. I'm pointing there, pointing there, pointing there. Critiquing, maybe critiquing our worship band compared to the most popular worship bands. Walking out the door on Sunday and forgetting to make what happened at church a part of our everyday lives. 
Please hear me this morning. There is a war going on inside of you between a God that wants to make you free and a world that wants to make you a slave. And our lack of presence is not some sort of secondary issue. It is primary to our lives. I'm not worried, by the way, when I look out there today, I'm not worried that many of you would ever deny your faith, but I am worried that you would be so distracted that you would settle for a mediocre version of your faith. I've been obsessed with with time management for a long time. Nobody knew that about me. This is a revelation. I did just look at the clock, you're right. (laughs) You know, scheduling my day out in blocks, carefully managing them so I can accomplish everything that I need to do. But here's something that I have come to know, that being efficient and being productive are not the same thing as living a life of beauty and depth and meaning. Ten years ago, I was not loving my family like I needed to. Because here, after my relationship with God, my family matters most. And I had to be woken up. In fact, I remember 10 years ago, there was a lyric from this song called, uh, from this band called Arcade Fire. Anybody heard of Arcade Fire? And this band had this song, and, and it was, a, it was a, a lyric that envisioned a pastor who wasn't taking care of his family, and the song lyric that woke me up that God used was this lyric that said, working for the church while my family dies. And God used that to wake me up. Let me ask you, do you feel any of this tension this morning? Do you ever have the feeling that you're kind of just hovering around your life, but you're constantly distracted from it? Have you ever felt like you're, you're losing yourself in some sort of cyber world, but feeling guilty about not being present where you are? I think a lot of us feel that way, but we don't often know how to break through from that or free from that. As we head to communion today where we celebrate and acknowledge God's real presence, as we today take the bread and the drink I want you to know that the solution to all of this isn't to work harder. I've got good news today, all right? The solution to distraction isn't even to beg that God would break into our lives in some new way. The cure that God makes available to us is becoming aware of the miracle called life that is happening around us. We have to teach ourselves how to comprehend and notice the ways that God, hear me, is already present and already working in our lives. I'm not saying, by the way, that it's super simple. In fact, it might be difficult because many of us are at a place of real cynicism in our lives. We become very cynical. Many of us are very distracted. It might be difficult for many of us because we have been very hurt. Some of you will find everything that I'm saying today difficult because you don't think that you're a candidate for it. Well, Pastor Kevin, you know, Pastor Kevin's talking about all the beautiful people here today, right? No, hear me, this is for you, for all of you. Tell somebody next to you there, this is for all of you. Tell them, come on, say it. This is for all of you. This is for all of you. I don't want you to miss this. Let me read you 
something from Lawrence Kushner. It's very long, and so I put it on the screens. I normally don't read anything that's long, but I love this. Just listen and read. Jewish tradition says that the splitting of the Red Sea was the greatest miracle ever performed. And yet we have one Midrash, and Midrash is just a teaching related to the Torah, the Scripture, that mentions two Israelites named Reuben and Shimon who had a different experience. Apparently, the bottom of the sea, though safe to walk on, was not completely dry but a little muddy, like a beach at low tide. Reuben stepped into it and curled his lip. What is this muck? Shimon scowled. There's mud all over the place. This is just like the slime pits of Egypt, replied Reuben. What's the difference, complained Shimon. Mud here, mud there, it's all the same. So it went for the two of them. And so it went for the two of them, grumbling all the way across the bottom of the sea. And because they never once looked up, they never understood why on the distant shore everyone else was singing songs of praise. For Reuben and Shimon, the miracle never happened. Listen, these two were so focused on minor distractions that they missed out on the fact that they were being delivered. I don't want that for us. I don't want that for you. We are so preoccupied with unimportant things that we are blinded to the miracles all around us. By the way, I didn't forget about Jacob. He's still there in Genesis chapter 28. This is, uh, this is Abraham's grandson. His dad is named Isaac. And his dad has sent him out to find a wife. That's the context for this. He's been sent out to find a wife. And right in the middle of this journey, it becomes late at night. He's out in the middle of nowhere. It's getting dark. He needs to find a place to sleep. He actually finds a rock. He puts, uses a pillow. He goes to sleep. In the middle of the night, God speaks to him in a dream. God confirms, by the way, the first verses that we read there is confirming all the promises that he had made to his grandfather, Abraham. We saw that last week. What is it? You will be blessed and all the nations of the world will be blessed through you. He reminds Jacob of his own call. And in the dream, Jacob sees these angels descending up and down this stairway that goes to heaven. And Jacob looks up and look what he says in verse 16. Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place. And read this with me. I did not know it. Say it again. I did not know it. Jacob realized that something that amazed him and freaked him out at the same time that God was there. God was present and Jacob had no idea. And this changed everything for him because all of a sudden, faith in his faith, there were all these new possibilities. All of a sudden, Jacob realized that God wasn't locked inside some temple or some building. No, that God is with us if we can learn to recognize his presence. Are you hearing me? I think this is still really hard for modern people like you and me. We, we expect that God will show up when we attend some sort of official Christian event. Let's call that this here today, some official Christian event. But it's harder to grasp, but what if God is in this place? And I'm imagining somewhere other than here. What if God is there? It's harder for us to grasp it. I, I experienced this when I, I lived in Tennessee for a short period of time. I was, I was going to school and working as a waiter at a place called the Old Country Store. It was the original Cracker Barrel, I think. It's what they modeled Cracker Barrel at. And so I was a waiter at this place. And at the time, I, I was not working for a church. I didn't have the title pastor. 
But after I'd worked there for a few months, there was this moment that I was on break and I was sitting around a table with my coworkers and they were, they were telling me about stuff that was going on in their lives. And as they were telling me that stuff, I would remember a scripture and I would share it with them. And at some point we were, we were grabbing hands and we were praying together. And I looked up in that moment and realized, wait, 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 we're having church right now. These right here are God's messed up, wandering, kind of crazy kids that he loves and wants to care for. It's right here. God is in this place right now. I don't don't know if you've had this kind of experience or not, but when we read the Bible over and over, we're invited not to just have occasional segmented encounters with God, but to continually experience his presence in our midst. But if we're going to do that, we have to learn the art of paying attention. I want to suggest four ways today that we can do that. Four ways we can learn the art of paying attention. First of all, I think it's by diving beneath the surface. By diving beneath the surface. Everyone and everything is desperate for your attention. By the way, the desperation for your attention just shows how important you are. A few weeks ago, I looked out at every section and and, and pointed at you and said, you are special. This proves how special you are. All of these ads and all of these apps and all of this social media and all these people and businesses are doing everything they can to grab your attention because your attention matters. Mm, That's another sermon I want to preach, not for today. Nicholas Carr says it this way, the the internet is chipping away at your capacity for concentration and contemplation. It's true. I I saw a kid at a restaurant one day, and he's he's a little kid, I don't know, he might have been three or four, he's playing with his iPad, and I guess he had had enough iPad time, so his dad takes the iPad away and gives him a book. And now we have this hilarious moment where you see the kid trying to pinch and squeeze the book, right? And press on the book to see what it's doing. And it doesn't do anything. It doesn't respond, of course. And so this kid throws a complete tantrum. He makes enough noise in order to get the iPad back. Nicholas Carr goes on to say this. Americans, no matter what their age, spend, hear this, at least eight and a half hours a day looking at television, a computer monitor, or the screen of their mobile home frequently using two or even all three devices simultaneously. Now, two things. First of all, I can feel some of you uh, feeling smug right now. Because you're like, oh, well, I don't, I don't do eight and a half hours. I'm better than everybody else. Okay, so, so for all of you, let me just say, don't miss out on God's word to you because you're doing a little better than the rest of us, okay? But second, hear me today as your pastor. We are missing out on this spectacular, normal, everyday reality of life. Because we are living this way. And instead of developing a deeper understanding of who we are and who God wired us to be, we are simply experiencing superficial things. We're going to have to learn how to dive deeper if we're going to pay attention. Second, we have to be willing to turn aside. Paying attention to what God has for us isn't just about going deeper. It's also noticing that God is moving through us and that God is moving around us. Somebody say around us in awesome ways. We see this in Moses who who ends up in the desert as a shepherd. 
for 40 years, and he's dealing with a lot of things, a lot of guilt for things he's done, and he's probably feeling forgotten by God. But then one day when he's herding sheep in the middle of the, do- the, the desert, Moses pays attention, and right there in front of him, in the middle of his ordinary taking care of sheep life, really, really far away from his destiny, there is this bush that's on fire that isn't burning up. I love the way John Ortberg describes this moment. He says this, Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why the bush is not burned up. Everything turned on Moses' being willing to turn aside, to interrupt his daily routine and to pay attention to the presence of God. He didn't have to. He could have looked the other way as many of us would. He would have just missed the exodus, the people of Israel, his calling, the reason for his existence. He would have missed knowing God. Listen to this. Moses had seen the shrub before, perhaps a hundred times, only this time it was different, but he didn't miss it. He stopped. He turned aside. Here at this morning, Moses was willing to stop and see the place where God was working. Third, We learn to pay attention by attending to God, by attending to God. Write that down there on your Connect card if you're taking notes. I I love this because when I say we need to pay attention to where God is and where God is working, I don't know about you, but it kind of overwhelms me to think about that. I mean, with as broken as our city is, as broken as our county is, the amount of need that is there right now, how are we supposed to take care of all of that in? We've been praying for several weeks, longer than that, but for about the last three or four weeks, been praying for the country of Venezuela for all that's going on there. And listen, when I pray about that country, it is overwhelming to me. How, how, how do we even pray for this? But listen, being present with God doesn't mean trying to be God. It just means responding to what God is doing by joining him as he redeems people, as he calls them back to himself. Our tendency when we're overwhelmed by it all is to get numb to it. We get overwhelmed, but but listen, God is calling us, Broad River Church, he's calling us to just be still and listen for God's voice. I believe that breakthroughs are on their way for some people here today. As you turn aside, as you turn aside where you work and you, and you just attend to those that are around you who are being drawn to Jesus, there are people where you work who are being drawn to Jesus. As you turn aside in your marriage and you pay attention to the strain that's in your spouse's words when you're just kind of having that normal conversation that, or how when they laugh, there's, there's some angst behind that laugh. There's something going on there and you, you turn aside to pay attention to that. As you turn aside with your kids when you ask them, how was your day? And they give the typical response, which is what? Fine, or, or if you're lucky, and generally, once they're about 14, uh. <laughs> Have to be an interpreter of tongues. <laughs> but turning aside means digging deeper and say, let's, let's go deeper here. Let's go deeper here. Here's the final one. The art of paying attention is by attending to others. You know what I love about being a doctor? So I'm not a doctor, by the way. Some people didn't know that, so they didn't know it was funny. But what, what I would love about being a doctor 
if I was one. Sharon's here today. Sharon's a doctor sitting right here in the middle. Here's what I love about being a doctor, is they get to be called attending physicians. That's awesome. Right? This attend is where we get the word attention, right? Sharon is charged with checking in on every patient and making sure they're receiving the best medical help available. Now, let me tell you something. Now that we've said that, you are all attending physicians. Because that's what it means to live a life of presence. We are commissioned by God to attend to those around them, to to check on them, to, to care for them, to use whatever resources that we have available for them so that they can thrive. Remember last week we blessed through noticing. Just want you to imagine if you lived your life this way, if you lived your life being the attending physician for the people in your life. So what are you doing? You're doing your rounds. You're going from person to person and you're, you're checking their vital signs. You're listening to your patient's needs. You're, you're giving them encouragement and giving them help. Here's what I would guarantee you. If you live that way, the culture of your life, the quality of your relationships would profoundly change. People in your life would begin to understand that they are seen and that they are known and that they are loved and that they are valued. They would begin to feel the way that you felt when you encountered Jesus. By the way, what do we call Jesus? Sometimes it's a medical term. We call him the great physician, right? The great physician who attended to the needs of humanity by the gift of his presence. Well, just stand up with me today. There's there's two acronyms that I want to leave you with today. And the first one I'm going to tell you, I want you to forget it as soon as I tell you. And the second one I want you to remember, a guy named Neil Postman says that all of the inputs and the information we experience now is making us into a liar. Here's the first acronym. All of this stuff we're experiencing is making us into a liar. Low information action ratio. In other words, we're so overwhelmed that we're doing less and less about it. We know everything more than we've ever done and we're doing less than we've ever done. Now, you get that so you can forget it. John Tyson is a pastor in New York City that I'm influenced by. He suggests a new acronym, and that acronym is L-O-V-E-R. He said, I want to discern the presence of God available to me in the current moment and take action. Here's how. L, to listen. O, to observe. V, to value. E, to encourage. R, to respond. On Wednesday this week, I'm going to record a podcast and release it that goes deeper into each one of those. We'll we'll go deeper into this acronym, so if you're interested, you can watch out for that. In communion, we get to experience and be reminded at the core of our being that our Father is present with us. So that's what we do on the first Sunday of the month is we just come before God and we take of the drink and we take of the bread And we remember his sacrifice for us. We remember that he did not wait for us to come to him as we prayed earlier, but he came to us and he laid his life down for us. And that's what we're going to do today.